Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for, with, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for, from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is the word of the Lord. So we, we get into this sermon here. By the way, I'm Brandon, for those of you who are new in our church. Um, I've been here for a couple of years, and uh, I give thanks to Pastor Brian and the elders here and the leadership for allowing me to speak today. But I pray that it is not just me speaking, it is God's word speaking. Even in Hebrews 13, which we'll look a little bit into today, it talks about um, remembering your leaders who speak God's word before you. And so this is, when you, when you come into church, I pray that you're in expectation of God speaking. This is the, the, the emphasis of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews. He's saying God has spoken God has spoken, and, and we, we just started off, and it said, since we're su- surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we just saw so many witnesses, seven witnesses who are willing to give their lives to Jesus, and that is amazing, and, and so we have two, two things at hand. One is newfound faith and, and, and relationship with Christ, and the second is those who have been with Christ for a while some time, however you might define that. And that's the context we have in Hebrews. The, the writer of Hebrews, if you could summarize the book of Hebrews, it might be summarized in a few words like, hold on and keep going. Hold on and keep going. There's something greater. There's something greater. The writer of Hebrews, his central message is, is that there, he's among a, a crowd of believers who seem to be jeopardizing their salvation, Right? They're, they're, Paul ta- says in another uh, chapter, in another verse, he says, You're in danger of shipwrecking your faith. Don't shipwreck the faith you have in Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews chapter 2, for example, we have, We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. We heard it at one time, we believed at one time, but we have to pay much closer attention lest we drift away from it. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? That word there, great, great salvation, the word great specifically, it appears alongside great, better, and more, greater, better, and more, appears some 25 times in Hebrews. 25 times. And so why why would we even hold on and keep going? The writer of Hebrews is getting at, though you're growing sluggish in your faith, though you have seeming to fall behind in unbelief, and, and though you should have been teachers by now, he's saying, I want you to know this, run to Jesus because he's greater. You're looking to something greater than anything creation has ever received before. And so we have Jesus is greater. In Hebrews eleven twenty six. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. He's not even saying the glory of Christ, the reproach. That means being upbraided for the name of Christ. That means being willing to suffer for his name's sake. He's saying, I, I considered that greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. 
And some of us today, we have to escape from the treasures of Egypt. We'll get to that in a second. For he was looking, Moses was looking to the reward. He had his eyes set on the reward, his eyes set on a prize. And if you don't have your eyes set on a prize, you will never keep running. You will never endure with hope. Hope is something where we have a joyful expectation of good to come, despite what the circumstances we are in say or what they're saying towards us. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. And so that's another uh, um, theme of Hebrews. Hold fast to the hope that you have. Hold fast to the confession of your baptism. Hold fast to the faith he's saying. Because he's speaking to a crowd who seems to be drifting away. Drifting away. And so that's what we're getting into in Hebrews 12 of, okay, how, how, do, we, how do we hold on? How do we, how do we keep going in this? What, is, what does it look like? And again, it's, it's going to be by looking to Jesus. So if we could summarize Hebrews 12, it would be keep running. We're in it together. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Keep running. We're in it together. And so we have witnesses of, of our current modern era, people who have been baptized in the faith, believers today. We're witnesses among each other. That's why when we come together, it says, even in Hebrews, forsake not the gathering of the saints. Right? And so you see there, there was a picture going on in Hebrews where some people were falling away for various reasons from gathering in the faith with believers. Because one thing that's key is if you're going to run with endurance, the scripture says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's in the plural. Let us run the race that is set before us. It's together. So we have not only people who've passed, the cloud of witnesses that was spoken of really in Hebrews 11, various, uh, over a dozen people who've kept the faith, who ran their race, and who are surrounding us with their testimony, with the word of their testimony. But, but now we have a community. And so endurance is, another way to define it is consistency and stability. Having consistency and stability. In, in today's age, you see that there's many companies, many business models that they do not continue to endure because they're not stable. I used to work for an organization in Massachusetts for two years. It was a, a turnaround project for a middle school. And one of the key things of, of why this middle school was in such disorder in a, in a socioeconomically disadvantaged community was that there was no stability. There was no endurance among the staff. We had a turnover rate above 50%. I was there as a substitute teacher. In my first three months, I got promoted to a teacher, and I didn't have any type of licensing, nothing, because they were like, we need someone. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. So it was such an instability. And organizations do not function without stability. There was three principles in the time of my, me being there for two years. And in many ways, we have to look at the church uh, as, a, as a place that should be a solid ground, not just reading our scripture, not just uh, uh, doing our own personal things, but we're in community together. One of the things I'll pull up a little later is about running the race with endurance. It, it, we're, the race is the same, the course is the same, but the climate of culture has changed. Let me say it again. The race is the same, the course is the same, but the climate of culture has changed. Our culture today, one of the key uh, bedrocks of being an American, maybe even, is individualism. 
It is being independent, making it on your own. And that's the antithesis of God's word. God's word is depend on me and depend on each other. Depend on God, and we depend on each other for community. There's been so many times I've been down and out, and I came to church to seek a word, and I got one. I came to another believer. I called another believer who I could depend on, who I knew would have a word for me or could encourage me in prayer. We cannot do this alone. So we're in this together. Keep running together. Now let's look more closely at the text. How should we keep running? It's endurance. The word endurance appears several times in the book of Hebrews. It says, by faith Moses left Egypt in chapter 11, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Right, And that's where we get to that verse about how he endured. He saw the great reward. He endured by seeing the great reward. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to bring up that word endurance some three or four, no, five times in chapter 12 um, into 13. He says, let us run the race with endurance. Look how Jesus ran. He ran this race that was set before him. He endured the cross. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Right? One of the testimonies we heard from Camilla was that how, how God will sometimes break you to make you. God will slow you down to help you to run faster. That's one of the things where in our culture, the predominant uh, um, viewpoint, you might even call it a demigod, is I have to go and I have to go fast. I have to be successful. I have to get things as quick as I can to make myself to the top. I see people's social media status, their Facebook, their Instagram, and it looks like they're making it, whether in how they look or how their accolades are or their prestige, I've got to get there too. And yet that is not the scriptural pattern of endurance. You'll never be consistent in that if you're always looking for a quick reward. If you're always looking for a quick fix and instant gratification, that is not endurance. Endurance in the Greek is a word that is, um, it's a compound word, so it's a combination of two words. Hupomane. Everybody say that. Hupomane. All right. Hupomane. It's where in the English we have the word hypo, hypothermic, um, hypodermic needle. It's a hypodermic needle is something that goes under the skin. Hypothermic is someone who is under temperature. So hypo is under. And then meno is where we get uh, the word for menopause. It's where Jesus says, abide in me, meno in me. To abide in Jesus, to endure with Jesus is to remain under, to remain under. It's a pause, it's a stopping. So it's almost contradictory what the writer of Hebrews is saying, except for it's not. Throughout the scripture of Hebrews, from chapter 1 all the way up until 11, we have this repeated pattern of hold fast, hold fast, hold on. And he says hold on, and then he talks about the anchor of your hope. So an anchor is something that sinks you, or not sinks you down, but it holds you, keeps you from going. But then he switches, it seems. He's like, okay, but now run. Now you're going to run. But how do you run? Not like the world is running. You have to slow down. One of the things I was praying about, or well, I wasn't praying about it. I, I was praying and, and it was revealed to me. I just heard the Lord speak and say, slow down. Even in your preparation, Brandon, as you're preparing to preach, slow down. Slow down. And to hypomone is to remain under the weight. 
Endure under. That's so, so we get many words from this in, in our English New Testaments, depending on the translations you read. We have uh, persistence. We have endurance. We have uh, uh, perseverance, steadfastness. One of the favorite verses of Christians, uh, James chapter 1. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces hypomone, produces steadfastness or endurance or patience, depending on the translation you read. Because it's all, all these English words are hitting at what this Greek word is getting at. To remain under, to stay, to abide under the difficulties of the Christian life. Under the difficulties of, of you, you got baptized and you got wet and then you dry up down the road. And you just, you, you, where's the fire at? Where's that passion at that was there with you? Come on, every believer should have a moment of a burning bush in their life, a Moses moment in their life where Moses encountered the burning bush that was burning but it was not consumed. And in that bush, the Lord spoke. From that bush, the Lord spoke. And gave his name to the people of Israel. Yahweh, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. It's one of his greatest promises. He's consistent. He's faithful. He's enduring. He's enduring. So on that aspect, right? He's enduring. Romans 15 says this. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through hupomene, through endurance, and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance, may the God of remaining under, may the God of persistence and patience and steadfastness, may this God encourage you in your faith. May this God be the one who grants you to live in such harmony with one another. And so we have this aspect of not only are we to endure in Christ, but Christ is our endurance. You can't endure the Christian walk by striving, striving on your own. Self-sufficiency is blasphemy to God. It's dependence on yourself, saying, I can do it. And it's it's very subtle for us as Christians, if if you call yourself a believer, because we, we can say, I'm doing something for the Lord, but is it from the Lord? Is it through the Lord? Did he confirm it? And if he confirmed it, is he filling you? Are you, are you abiding in him? Are you remaining and enduring with Christ? And so that is what the scriptures is pushing at, this endurance that we've called to have, but we can't have it without the God who gives it. So Jeremiah 17, it appears in the Septuagint. Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament written before the time of Christ. And so we can look at Greek words there and see how they compare to New Testament words and find uh, relationships and, and, and be encouraged for our endurance in the faith. And, and so Jeremiah 17 says this, verse 13, O Lord, the hope, the hupamane of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Um, I actually cut off this verse a little bit because for time's sake, but I'm going to go into it because we just did baptism. He go, Jeremiah goes on to say, all those who, who forsake you will be put to shame. They have forsaken the fountain of living water. Jeremiah opens up his book by saying, uh, two things I have against you, my people. This is the Lord speaking through him. Two things I have against you. You have forsaken the fountain of living waters. That's one. And you have built for yourself your own cisterns. So imagine that, going from basically rivers of life, moving water, flowing water, to cisterns are essentially like wells. But 
they're, they're cracked, they're broken, they're, they're tainted. And there's a lot of water in this world that is tainted. A lot of water in this world that will lead us astray. But we're called to the fountain of living waters. Jesus said, whoever believes in me out of his heart, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. And then Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, John's speaking and he says, I, John, am your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance. Hupomane. I'm your partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance. Right? And, and so that's where we get this aspect where Jesus says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. By your endurance, you shall be saved. See, salvation is by faith alone, but faith is never alone. And there is a, something that, one of the things that accompanies faith is endurance. One of the things that accompanies faith is not only how we might understand endurance, how I just said it, but remember, what did uh, Jeremiah just say? Oh Lord, the hope of Israel. So endurance can also be understood as hope. God is our hope. God is our endurance. And it is by him we endure. And so we're in this patient endurance. And then he says in Revelation chapter 3, he uses the same word. He says, I know, this is Jesus speaking to one of the churches in Revelation. He says, I know that you have but little power. You have little power. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name because you have kept my word of my patient endurance. I will keep you. The one who endures will be kept by God. The one who keeps God will be kept by God. Right? I, I know we say this verse and actually it comes up in Hebrews 13 as a, um, a rebuttal to, to possibly doubting God. He says, um, the Lord will never forsake you. Right? It says, the, um, where is it? Hebrew chapter 13, verse 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just the verse before that. But yet, in the scriptures of the, towards the Israelites, God said, if you forsake me, I will forsake you. If you persist in your forsaking me, I will forsake you. Right? So we have to be able to deal with both sides of the sword, of the word of God. Where, where scripture talks about Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Living and active. There's one side that cuts us deep, but another side heals us right. And, and, and let me say that. I'll say this real quick while I just said that. Um, the word of God is living and active. Anytime I'm reading the scripture, anytime I'm thinking of scripture and, and it's not living and active, God's not a liar. It must be me who's dead. If I'm dead, if I feel like I'm reading a dead word, it's not, it's not God. It's not God, it's me. And so I persist, I patiently endure, as Romans 15 said, we just read it. All these things in the scripture are written for our instruction that through endurance, endure. so when you remain under the teaching of the scripture, that's how you will persist. We don't just come at this scripture as we would a social media post, a quick blurb here, a quick thing there, and think that that's it, that that's going to satisfy us and fill us. Maybe sometimes it does. But you'll never persist in the walk with Christ doing that way. You've got to endure in the scripture, endure in the word. And so then I want to move into this. This is a passage that I'll stay on for a little bit. I think it's really thematic of this whole running this race with endurance. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. The Lord says, but they who wait 
That's the verb form of hupomane. They who wait or endure or hope in some translations, they who wait on the Lord, they who hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So how do you run without being weary? How do you find, if you find yourself in the Hebrews condition where I'm, I'm kind, of, kind of slipping away from my faith or I'm feeling times where I slip away, how do we endure in the midst of this? It's enduring in Christ, hoping in Jesus, the anchor of our salvation. It says, those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you need your strength renewed? Each and every day I wake up, I'm like, Lord, I need new strength. I can't, I can't do this without you. And so one way to look at this is you can't make a single stride in this run without God. You cannot make a... Romans 8 says it like this. Um, it is impossible to please God in the flesh. If you're living in the flesh, which is our old nature, it's the old way of doing things. It's the way we learned in the world, the way you didn't have to be taught necessarily. You didn't have to go through uh, anger classes to learn what anger was and how to be unforgiving towards people, how to be bitter towards people, how to steal, how to commit crimes. These things were in our human nature, which Christ came to redeem and restore. Known as, uh, in, in Romans 15, I believe it is, um, maybe 1 Corinthians 15, the, the second Adam. Jesus Christ is the second Adam. He's our second chance. In fact, he's our only chance. He is the one whom we look to. He is the one by whom we shall endure. And so the word endurance appears in a, in a unique way in Luke chapter 2. It says in chapter 2 verse 43, the boy Jesus stayed, hypomeno, or that's the Greek, Greek form of the verb, but Jesus stayed. He tarried behind in Jerusalem. So again, back to the slowing down. How do you run fast? How do you actually run fast with God? You've got to slow down. You've got to get out of the race of this world, the rat race, as they call it. And you've got to learn how God runs. Learn how he runs. I was praying about this, and I saw wings spread out in a vision before me as I prayed even this morning. And I heard the Lord speak. He said, my children know how to run for Pharaoh, but they do not know how to run for me. My children know how to run for Pharaoh, but they do not know how to run for me. Remember I said I'd come back to it. Moses was running, fleeing from Egypt, but how, what was he looking towards? The great reward. He was running towards a reward greater than the treasures of Egypt. And there are many treasures that the pharaohs of this world would give to you. When Christians first became Christians in the, in the Roman society, and they were Gentile Christians, so they would have been Roman, they had to question their Roman identity. We need to question our American identity. We need to question our, maybe you, you identify as a certain college student, as a certain sports fan, as a certain this, that, and the third. You have to question those identities. Your identity is first and foremost found in Jesus Christ and his word. That's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, um, I believe it's, the verse is, is slipping, but I, I know from my mind it's, we have a better word. There is a better word that is being spoken to us through Jesus Christ. A better word is given to us by which we must hold on to. It's his word. 
You know, I can slip away so easily from running this race with endurance if I'm looking to other words. There's no greater word than his word. He's speaking a, it says he's speaking a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood spoke condemnation because he was murdered by his brother. Jesus' word speaks forgiveness and healing and redemption. And so what word are you holding on to in this race? And, and I'll say it like this. One who does not hope in something greater, better, and far more superior is one who will not endure the many tribulations by which we must enter the kingdom of heaven, as Paul said in Acts chapter 14. We must enter the kingdom of heaven by many tribulations. Many tribulations. And I'm afraid there's a version of American Christianity, of Western Christianity, that is a version which is anti-suffering, anti-tribulation. So anything that is saying, I'd have to suffer through this, that's, that, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. But that is not what the gospel's claim is. People have, in fact, what was it? 10 out of the 12 disciples, maybe 11, depends how you count. But the majority of the first disciples were willing to die for this faith. I, when, when I talk about Christianity to people, I, I could care less about if you're willing to live for Christ. I want to know, do you, what do you, are you willing to die? I love through that baptism. I don't know if it was Gavin or Rachel who was saying, and will you die for him? That partnership in his death and resurrection. Yes, it's symbolic, but it's also actual if need be. Revelations 12 says that Satan came down in a great wrath and fury into this earth. He knew his time was short, though he's living for thousands and thousands of years. He knows his time is short. We don't know our time is short. (laughs) And then in his short time, it says he was accusing the brethren, the saints, night and day. And yet they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, loving not their own lives, even unto death. When my bank account gets involved, I don't know. I don't know. Can I love Christ through that? If I have to make a choice that might excommunicate someone from my life, something from my life, how do I let go of these weights and sins? So let's look at that, right? It says, Let us also, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, they're an example to us of how they laid down their lives for Christ as they lived. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Sin might be obvious for us, but it's not always obvious what a weight is. It's not always obvious what a weight is. Uh, uh, F.B. Meyer, a preacher from the 1900s, says it like this. There are many things that may be considered as weights. It may be a friendship which is too engrossing, a habit which is sapping away our energy, a pursuit, an amusement, a pastime, a system of reading, a a method of spending our time, too fascinating and too absorbing and therefore harmful to the soul which is tempted to walk when it should run and to loiter when it should haste. Thousands of, he goes on and says, thousands of Christians, actually, and this is from a sermon titled Stripping for the Race, because Greek runners in the times of races, they, they would lay aside every weight. They would run naked because there was, they didn't want anything to slow them down in this race. And so we must have that mentality of, I don't want anything on me spiritually clinging to me from my past or that's in my present that I must throw aside. And so he says, thousands of Christians are like, waterlogged vessels 
They cannot sink. They're still floating. But they are so saturated with inconsistencies and worldliness and permitted evil that they cannot or they can only be towed with difficulty into the celestial port. Think about that, right? A waterlogged vessel, it's floating, it can't sink, you're saved, but you're just trudging along, right? Are we dragging our feet into the kingdom? Or are we running the race with endurance, running forward, leaning forward? I have a saying for myself, I say, do I want to be a person who's, has, I'm, I'm leaning on my heels or I'm on my toes when I run? Right? How, what does my spiritual life look like? Is it on its heels or is it on its toes? And so, Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made the resurrection and perfection my own. But one thing I do, he's saying, this is my own. This is what I'm claiming for myself. Forgetting what lies behind me, And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, let those of us who are mature think this way. Those of you who got baptized today, think this way as you mature. Say, I got to forget everything that lies behind. Everything. And when Paul said that in the context, he says, he's talking about his accolades. He's talking about anything that would have been self-promotion. Anything that would have been self-dependence. He was said, he, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. I've been a Pharisee, top of the line. And I count this as rubbish. It's not about your education. It's not about how much money you have. Some of the poorest saints, some of the maybe uh, considered the dumbest saints in this world are going to be some of the richest saints in the kingdom of heaven. Because it's not, it's not just about getting in. It's about getting him, getting close to him. And so we start this race by looking to Jesus, but we finish this race by enduring in Jesus and by being with him. That's the, that's the finish line. The finish line is, I'm in him. I'm with Christ. And so I think about different weights that, that entangled me early on in my faith. There were people I had to leave behind, particularly in college. There were friends where all I used to do with them, before, I was saved in college, for those of you who don't know. So, so it was certainly a rough transition of, I had friends who I used to smoke with, I used to drink with. And then I said, oh, well, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to do these things anymore and, and, and go into drunkenness, as the scriptures say, or go into a, 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 un, a mind that's not sober. But I will, you know, I can be with them and I'll stand strong, Lord. And I would hang out with them and it was slow but sure I would slip. No, Brandon, take a hit, man. Take a hit. All right. That was me. That was my walk early on. And thinking I could, I, I could have Jesus and have the world too, right? And I'm, I thank God that now I'm at a place where I can sit with those same friends and in reality, they won't sit with me for too long because I'm, I'm gonna give you Jesus. And Paul says it like this. Someone says, oh, well, if you're making people walk away from you, if you're making people uh, uh, offended, is that really uh, uh, like Jesus? Jesus said, blessed is the one who's not offended by what I say. Woe to you when spe- people speak well of you. And Paul says we are a fragrance of life to those who are passing into life, but to those who are going into death, we're a fragrance of death. So double-edged sword, right? There are people where they're, they're enduring in their sin. They're enduring in their commitment to themselves. 
And that's another thing I think about. Like when I was in the world, like I ran the race for the devil. Like I was running fast. I was running hard. I was committed to myself, committed to living for myself. But then I found Christ, or rather he found me. And now I'm running in a totally different way. I can't run like I used to. I can't run depending on myself. I can't run just for myself. I was going in the pre-med track, uh, one of the top in my class. I say that not to boast. I count it as rubbish, but to tell you where I'm coming from. About how the fact that I left these things behind, I said, I don't, I don't want to go to medical school. I want, I, what was I going to that for? To heal people. Well, Jesus said, you'll lay your hands on the sick and they shall rise. His word will heal people. And so I looked to that and I said, Lord, I can still do the same thing I wanted and follow you. And that's not to say you can't be a medical doctor or whatever. Whatever God puts on your heart, that's what you should do. But it was on my heart of this is the way I've got to follow Jesus. This is the way I've got to lay aside these weights and these sins which are clinging closely. Because this isn't, there's certain things that are idolatry for me. And so as we move into the close here, thank you for enduring with me. <laughs> because this has been a longer service. We had seven baptisms. We had our Operation Christmas Child. But if you've endured long enough, I know you've had a word spoken to you. I know that God has spoken to you a word that will keep you in this race further if you'd hold fast to the better word which has been spoken to you. So for those who want to go into further study, you can write this down, right? The first Four verses of Hebrews were keep enduring. That's the theme. We're in this together. And then verses 5 through 17, it's, now it's not just keep enduring, but keep hoping. We struggle against sins as sons, sons and daughters. God's not against us. Though you're going through a trial and a tribulation, God's not against you. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, do not grow weary in the discipline of the Lord. Whatever's happening to you, do not grow weary. Don't let your hands fall to the ground in this race. Don't let your weak knees grow weak. That was a verse that, that the Lord specifically directed me to. When, when and as my wife and I have gone through our miscarriage just in the summer, I wanted to say, I don't want to endure anymore. I don't want to remain under this God. I know that, yeah, maybe the devil did it, blah, 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 but you're in charge. You let this happen. And the very truth is, that is true. And it's for my good. I consider these light momentary afflictions nothing to be compared with the eternal weight of glory. Because these light momentary afflictions, Paul says, are preparing me. Preparing me for that glory. Preparing me. There are many who fall away and do not endure, but I said, Lord, what do I do? And I was directed to that passage in Hebrews 12. Running, look to me, look to me. Don't turn away from me when it's hard. And not only don't turn away from me, but now it's time for you to take ownership of something. I want you to do this. Verse 12 says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame May, be put, may, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. There's a place and a position in our, in our trials in this life where we have to take ownership and get out of the pity pool, so to speak, and get into the fountain of life. Get into his word and endure with him. And then it's looking to him, but also seeing how he's working through you. And that's where we're, we're in the closing 
God is asking us to keep loving. That's how Hebrews 13 kind of starts off. Let us not forsake brotherly love. Let us continue in brotherly love towards one another. Let us continue in brotherly love towards one, one another. And one of the ways we can continue even in love and living like Jesus by living for Jesus is through the sacrifice of praise. So there are times where we go through things and you don't want to praise God. But your faith, the, the, your faith to someone else, let alone to, to yourself maybe, should not be determined by, can I praise God when it's going good? Can I rejoice? Can I sing when it's going good? Anybody can do that. When God is, is, is serving you like a waiter. But what about God when God humbles you? Can I bless God? Can I praise God when it gets hard? David Wilkerson gave a sermon once and he, it, was, it was entitled, Right Song, Wrong Side. And he's speaking of Exodus 15, a beautiful song by the Israelites, but it was after they were delivered from Egypt, after the Red Sea opened. Before it, they were grumbling, they were complaining. Moses, you took us out here to die. And that's how sometimes we feel in our faith. I'm out here to die. And so then we compromise. But the race is still the same. We must endure with the rest of the saints. So be not conformed to the patterns of this world, the patterns of America, the patterns of American Christianity. We have to push back and say, what is Christ in the scripture, the word of God, and the fellowship among the saints really calling me and commissioning me to? And it's to go with Jesus outside the camp, Hebrews 13. Join Jesus. He was not put in the comfort of Jerusalem. He was killed outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha. And he said, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to get up out of that baptism pool and keep going, carry your cross. Deny yourself. You were never made for yourself. You were made for him. And as we embrace these realities, these, the goodness of God, it is through this that we can offer up a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Would you stand to your feet with me? God is inviting us into praising him, not just when it goes well, but when everything seems against us and it seems like we're going through hell, will you run the race with endurance? Will you remain under and remain in the blessing of God? That is the call and the command. And so, saints, let us thank God, even right now. God, thank you. Don't let me thank God for you. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy of our praise, God. I don't need anybody to tell me, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I might not even know what to say in times of trial, but I know that when I've said Jesus, that was enough. Jesus is enough for me and more than enough. He's greater reward than the treasures of Pharaoh. I don't want to run this race the way Pharaoh's taught me, God, I want to run this race the way you're teaching me and reteaching me, the way you're reacclimating me. Teach us today, Lord God. Teach us as we go forward. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And I invite you into worship together as we close out in worship.